Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome to episode seven of the Blue Note Podcast, one stop, one stop shop. Mess that one up. Uh, for all things St. Louis Blues, Monday, May 30th, the day of recording, a special Memorial Day episode. Uh, it's episode seven, so it is the... This was a tough one. This is a real tough one. So many good, good number sevens here yeah. in Blues history. So you know what? We're just going to dedicate it here to them all. Red Berenson, Gary Unger, Joe Mullen. Cannot forget guys like Keith Kachuk and, of course, Patrick Maroon. So this here is definitely for those guys. Even like you said, it is a special Memorial Day Monday that we are recording. So uh, most importantly, this podcast is dedicated to all of those who have fought, served, and died for this country. So happy Memorial Day here again to you all. And a special thankful thank you here to you all listening and who have currently served or are serving here in the armed forces. No doubt. No doubt about it. We owe a lot to them. Um, but we want to thank the listeners as well. Uh, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss anything. You give us a rating of your choosing, preferably a good one, but you never know. I mean, some people might not like this, but whatever. Uh, you can get involved with the conversation with us as well on Twitter at TBNPod. We took some questions on Twitter um, that we will be answering at the end of the show today. Uh, so we'll get into those later. But the uh, season is officially over, and I think it's safe to say that it probably ended in the worst possible way, just with the way that they went out. Um, and they just didn't play well. Like, it's it's simple. Like, they didn't play well. Colorado did. And you know Colorado was due to get out of this round. And them getting their goals from JT Comfer and Darren Helm is, is kind of an example of that. Like, when you don't get anything from your top guys, you still win a road game to, to end the series. It's pretty impressive. But I'll throw it over to you here. I mean, the season just ended in a really, really bad way. Yeah, um, you know, I, I made the note here before the game started or before the series started here, rather, that it was guys like JT Comfer and Valeri Nesushkin and Arturi Lekkanen that Colorado could easily throw out there with needing a goal, needing to tie up the game, take a lead. And I, you don't like the feeling of, you know, that you called it, but we called it. You know, yeah. I mean, JT Comfort came through here in a big way. Um, just to kind of go back here to game six, you know, they were down three to two here in the series. They were outshot 13 to seven in the first period in their do or die game here in St. Louis. You know, it was great. Falk made it one nothing here with one minute left to play in the period. Huge, huge, huge amount of momentum here going their way into the second period. But Comfort tied the game with five, in 519 here into the second with his first goal here of the playoffs. Four minutes later, though, Cairo. Help the Blues take the two to nothing, two to one lead here, rather, with his seventh of the postseason. He's he's looking real good here that game. Um, then they head into the third period. Blues were being outshot here 26 to 14. You know, still wasn't looking great. Huso was standing on his head, but making all kinds of saves to be able to, be able to help keep his team in it. Midway through the third, though, Comper scored here again, his second of the game, second of the postseason on the power play after Pareko took a delay of game penalty. And as the club thought that they were going to be heading here into overtime, I think all the fans thought they're heading into overtime. This is going to be another game. Okay. Just kill out the last couple seconds. And Darren Helm had some other thoughts as he scored his first of the postseason 
five seconds left to go in the game. Sends the abs to the Western Conference Finals. Send Blues fans just into a spiral. Every single fan's jaw on the ground. I know mine was. I, I could not believe what I just saw. I mean, it was brutal. Ethan, thoughts on the game? Yeah, I, brutal is, is definitely a good word to use with this. Um, I think one takeaway from me would be you, the Blues really turtled, obviously. And that's something you can't do against the Avalanche. And they, it really seemed like they were just trying to get to overtime. Like you dumped the puck in with 20 seconds left instead of trying to make a play. That's kind of a signal of, okay, let's get to overtime. And and Colton Pareko, who's kind of, you know, a player that's beaten up by the fan base, he was really, mm-hmm. really bad in this game. Like, one of his worst games is a blue probably in a big spot. He just was really bad. And the Blues did not try to drive the play at all. They let Colorado take it to him, which was kind of the theme of most of the games in this series, mm-hmm. with the exception of, I would say, game two, some of game three and game five a little bit, uh, at least in the third period of game five, but that's when desperation hits. It didn't, it doesn't hit as hard when you're not losing. Like the blues were never losing in this game until the end. Yeah. And I think that they struggled to play with their season on the line. If they didn't have it, like if, if they were losing two to one, I think they play a completely different game. And that's unfortunate because they didn't play the way that they should have. I think a lot of that was because they had the lead a lot of the time despite being outplayed. And I just think the better team won. I think it's simple. Um, Huso was good. The second comp for one was pretty bad. That's probably a save you got to make. But uh, I'm not going to blame anything on Huso. I think he did enough to win, and the team oh, yeah. just didn't play well. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that Huso did enough here in this game. You know, he I, – I, I think it was his teammates, honestly, that failed him here in this offensively here especially you know you're outshot 39 to 20 in a do or die game on home ice plain and simple it's unacceptable it's 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 how, how do you think how, how do you feel that you know when you're the goaltender who's having to make all of these sprawling saves here i mean against mckinnon landis Confer, i mean like all of these guys you're doing everything possible to help keep your team in it and then the other guys here on the other end. I mean, like the, the goaltender can only do so much here at this point. So I, I think Huso did enough. It was just plain and simple. His team in front of him failed him. Yeah. And I think we're going to echo kind of the same stuff as we get to the player of note for game six. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's Billy Huso here for me. Again, 36 of 39 in a game that could have gotten out of hand fast, real fast. Um they outshot the Blues here, what, double every single game or every single period? You know, I think it was 13 to 7 almost every single period, um, at least for the first two. And then from there, when you cannot get any sort of offense generated, anything, you know, the Blues were extremely lucky to have that 2-1 to one lead. When Cairo here made it 2-1, to one, I actually I looked over at my father-in-law who was watching the game with, and I said, okay, they're being outshot real bad, but we're up. So this can only end up going one of two ways. Either Colorado is going to break through this game or we're just going to hold on and have put little to no offense here, any sort of shots here on net on Darcy Kemper 
And unfortunately, it just went the other way. Small little crack. So my player of note here for game six here was absolutely Villahuso. Yep, I'm going to agree with that. Uh, but I think I Jordan Cairo deserves a shout-out. He had a really, really good game. He could have had three or four goals. Uh, I think probably one of the bigger turning points of the game was um, Cairo in front of the net. Kemper slides off. Manson comes in and saves that puck. Oh, man. And that would have made it three to one, I believe. Yep. So yep. that was probably the thing that kind of – Ended it for the Blues because with a 3-1 lead, you feel much more comfortable. But, yeah, yeah. Kyra had a really, really good game. Um, it's hard to really evaluate a lot of other guys' games. I think we know Pareko was not good. Um, I, some no-shows as well in yeah. certain spots. Uh, but I think this this game kind of represented the season well with just, like, inconsistency and, and Pareko being inconsistent and Falk being good and Kyra being what he was for most of the regular season. But – and Huso being good, uh, but it just it ended badly. And I think this team deserves credit for taking this series to six because this was probably not a series that should have gone six. Uh, Could have been swept. Yeah. Could have been swept easily. Still way better than last season against them, but yeah. Um, just not. I mean, the Avalanche are just better. Like it's just it's pretty simple at that point. And you know, I don't know how most Blues fans feel about this, but. Do we watch the the Oilers Av series? Probably. Because, oh, absolutely. Because you have, for my money, two of the five best players in the league, three mm-hmm. of the five best players. If you want to throw Drysidle in there as well. So in Makar, I mean, you have four at least top eight players in the league right now with Makar, McKinnon, McDavid, and Drysidle. So that's going to be a hell of a series. I think it's going to be very interesting, real quick, before we get into some other blue stuff to see if Mike Smith can hold it together against this abs team, because Mike Smith, not so good um, at this point. So that'll yeah. be interesting. Yeah. I think honestly um, looking at it here on paper, the NHL and their fan bases could not have asked for a better Western conference finals, especially in the first year that they are taking this to ESPN and the whole rebranding structure, having a series of, McKinnon, Landeskog, Kel McCarr going up against Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. And you know what? I'll even throw in Duncan Keith in there because, boy, that's going to be a hell of a series seeing these two teams just, I mean, they're going to go blow for blow here at this point. And I would not be surprised if you see some games nine to seven. You know, it's it, it could be just out there in these scores. And I think fans and people who do not watch hockey sit them down in front of one of these screens, because this is going to be buckle up kind of hockey. Now, what do you think a better Eastern conference finalist for the league, Tampa, Carolina or Tampa, New York? I personally think Tampa, Carolina, I think that New York is doing a really, really good job but I really do believe that they're being held together by Igor Shesterkin. You know, it's nothing against the young guys that are in New York, but they are, I think, playing a little bit ahead of their schedule. Um, most of their young core is, what, 21, 22 years old? Something in around there. Yeah. And there's nothing that says that youth can't win. Absolutely nothing. I mean, if these guys want to be able to play, 
play, but man, it's, it, they're just ahead of schedule. And I think that Carolina has a deeper squad that can go up against and push Tampa Bay to a potential game seven. Whereas you would need New York and Shesterkin to play almost like Billy Huso did here in game six. I mean, and completely just play on his head, which he has done all season long and just steal the series here for New York. So my money would be on Carolina and Tampa Bay. I agree with a lot of that. Um, I think one thing that would draw the Rangers would be the atmosphere um, in New York at MSG. Yeah. Yeah. And then Shesterkin versus Vasilevsky would be very intriguing. That's where you kind of worry about Carolina. Like Anthony Rant is solid, but man, Vasilevsky is a different level. Yeah. And I think that that's a, a big part of this. And I also think that if you look at um, just the ability of Carolina at home is going to make that an interesting series, because I don't think Tampa is going to be able to beat a Carolina in five. Uh, I think that one goes at least six, but that'll be interesting game right. seven tonight. So we'll see what happens there. I, I would, I would guess that Carolina wins that it's a home yeah. game, but then they literally don't lose at home. They also don't win on the road. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, the rest of the playoffs as well, but let's go to a different playoffs, which is the, uh, the AHL playoffs where the Springfield Thunderbirds, the affiliate of the St. Louis Blues are, are playing pretty well as they uh, continue to dominate, I think would be a good term to use. Absolutely. They're heading to the Eastern Conference Finals. They broke out their brooms. They swept the Charlotte Checkers here 5-1. to one. Joel Hofer, goaltender here, stopped 34 of 35. He's looking real good in this postseason. Forwards uh, Dakota Joshua and Nikita Alexandrov scored a goal and recorded an assist here each. Clem Cawson with an assist and three shots. Springfield also here went one for four on the power play and killed all three power plays here of the checkers. Um, they're going to be playing up against the Laval Rocket of the, um, the AHL minor league affiliate here of the Montreal Canadiens. It's going to be a tough test. It's going to be a real tough test here for them. Their goaltender, Caden Primo, um, is six and one here during the postseason. A 1.93 goal against average and a 936 save percentage. So, boy, they're going to have a hard time here cracking him. And then uh, left winger Danik Martell, he leads the team with six goals, eight points in eight games here for them. So um, I think if one thing that's going to really help out the Thunderbirds is they have a lot of balanced scoring here right now going into this final round here in the Eastern Conference Finals. Sam Annis. Leads the team here with four goals, 13 points over six games. For, uh, former Laval Rocket forward Matthew Pekka, he actually has two goals, nine points in this postseason. Mackenzie McEachern and Alexandrov here each with six points. James Neal and Clem Cawson here each with five points. So it's going to be a fun Eastern Conference Finals here with these two teams. You almost have to be able to keep saying, you know what, go Thunderbirds. You know, they are rolling they are hot here right now but again so are the rocket here at this point ethan what do you think i think that the thunderbirds are going to win this series um because i i don't really know much about what laval's got going on over there but i think the thunderbirds seem to have a lot of depth and i'm gonna go ahead and trust joel hofer over primo um mm-hmm. now this if, if if something happens with hofer you bring Lindgren back, a little revenge game. I think he played for the oh. Laval Rocket at some point. So yeah. uh, that would be interesting. Um, but, hey, I like the depth. I think this is going to be a big series 
for the last two guys you named, James Neal and Clem Costin, they're going to show up. Um, we'll see. I think also a revenge series for Pekka, like you said, playing there before. Uh, but I think this is going to be a series that is won by the Thunderbirds. And I'm not going to say dominant fashion, but I don't think we're going to be too worried. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah. They're looking here real, real good at this point in time. And if you get the chance to watch any of their games, they're, they're fun. You know, it's different than watching the NHL games, especially, you know, the, the video quality at times. Um, they do a really good job here with AHL TV. If you don't get the chance to watch it live, just go online, catch it. I think they do about a 10-minute um, here, maybe less than 10-minute condensed game at that point. Catch it. It's, it's fun to be able to watch these guys. And you really get the chance to see um, what some of these young guys – Nikita Alexandrov, Klim Kostin, you know, these guys here are doing down in the minor leagues, kind of seeing how they're developing here right now. Um, I want to be able to touch on here as well a couple of the other guys because it's not just Kostin and company here that are going to the finals as Zachary Balduke and the Quebec Remparts. They are up two to one here right now in the semifinals of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the QMJHL. On Sunday, the Remparts actually tipped a two-to-one lead here in their series thanks to a power play goal from Balduke during the second period. His goal actually was going to be the game-winning goal. It was his eighth of the playoffs this postseason with eight goals, 12 points in 10 games. If you get the chance to hear later today, game four is going to be streaming. Get the chance to be able to stream that. Jake Neighbors. And the Edmonton Oil Kings have advanced also to the WHL, that's the Western Hockey League, um, here up in Canada. They're heading to the finals. They beat the Winnipeg Ice 7-1 to on Friday. Neighbors here, um, you may or may not know, he actually had an upper body injury that kept him out for a couple weeks. He had about two to three games before they headed into the postseason, so uh, just trying to be able to recover and try to be able to get his legs back out underneath of him. He's looking real good with two goals here during the game, three goals, 12 points in 13 games here this postseason. So lots to be able to to keep here in mind, and we're going to be able to keep our eyes here on what's going on here in the minor leagues, help you keep in touch here with those prospects. So um, good, good stuff here from these guys. Yeah, I think the future is bright with some of these guys, Mm -hmm. Um, especially Bull Duke and Neighbors, the last two first round picks and we've seen you know the impact of of some of the younger players on this team this season and I think we've kind of seen the ability of of Doug Armstrong to draft like Torpchenko in the fourth round I believe is like you know I think the thing with Doug Armstrong is I trust him a lot more with like second third fourth round over first round but that's just kind of a lot of GMs because the first round is just so you never know. Like there's some really, yeah. really bad first round picks or some really, really good ones. And right. every draft varies. So we'll see. Um, but I like a lot of what we're seeing from Bull Duke and neighbors, no doubt about it. Uh, those weren't guys that were like locked or expected to be no. those picks in that round. And they weren't expect, they weren't looked at as steals whenever they were picked. So uh, just two solid players that I think will fit into the roster at some point in the near future. Uh, let's do an early look. At the offseason, just a simple, I'll throw it over to you first here. What do the Blues need to do to have a successful offseason? Honestly, they, I think, need to address the entire depth chart. Every single position needs to be reviewed. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, normally saying something like that makes you think that this team had a horrible season. 
I think right now you almost have too many players who are ready to go at this point in time. So when you are a cap strapped team here right now, the blues need to evaluate who is getting playing time and who that they are choosing guys like Ivan Barbashev here played really, really well during the regular season, but he did not show up in the postseason. You've only got one year left right now underneath the contract of guys like Tarasenko and O'Reilly and Barbashev, um, Kairou and Thomas. These guys are all going to be taking up here your top six um, lines here at this point. Braden Shen, you know, Jordan Cairo here again. These guys are all top six, top nine lines. But when you've got guys like Jake Neighbors, more than likely he's going to be pushing for a spot. Nikita Alexandrov, Jordan Walker, you know, there's plenty of guys who are we, that can play in those bottom six lines and even build a fit into the top nine. What do you do? Because you have too many players here at this point that can easily fit on this roster. And if guys aren't going to be showing up, then boy, that's that's a move you wish you made and that you wish that you kept around. The defense, it needs to be addressed. Absolutely needs to be addressed here at this point. You've got a, a log jam here on the left-hand side with Perunovic, Letty, if you resign him, um, Tori Krug, and Marco Scandella. You can only play three of them. Four of them are going to be ready to go here on almost any single night. So you need to be able to address that line. You don't really have a great top-line pairing person. You have a bunch of specialists, but you don't really have a whole hell of a lot of guys who can just play every single situation. So the Blues need to be able to address that. And then, of course, goaltending. Goaltending, you've got Bennington, who did show up in the playoffs, and people quickly turned on Billy Huso. Very, very quickly turned on Billy Huso who absolutely saved your season. He's Billy Huso is up here for a new contract. And honestly, I don't see him coming back to St. Louis with the amount of money that he can get on the open market. So then you need to be able to address your backup goaltender. So it is an absolute puzzle for Doug Armstrong and company here in the front office to figure out what this depth chart is going to look like. And so that they can be able to compete and beat all of these teams here in the Western conference and hopefully be able to make it back to the Stanley cup playoffs. So to have a successful offseason, I think that it just simply needs to be the front office reevaluating their entire depth chart and just making sure that they can trust all of these puzzle pieces moving forward. I mean, I, I agree with that. Uh, I think one big thing that I would look at, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and make this claim, and I'm going to stick to it the entirety of the offseason, I think Ivan Barbashev gets traded. Um that's where I'm at on this. I think his value is still high enough. Yeah. Uh, and I think he can be very valuable to a team. I wouldn't be surprised if he's used in a trade for a defenseman. So one thing they have to do is Scandella has to be traded. Like there's no way he can be on this roster next year. You cannot go into next season with Krug, Scandella, Perunovic on the left side. It's not good enough. Like Krug mm -hmm. is good. We've seen what Perunovic can do. Scandella cannot be on this team next year. He just can't be. And offloading his contract to a team like Arizona or a bad team like that, maybe the move you have to make, even though you'd have to give up a pretty good pick to do it. That's how bad Scandella has been. He's just not good. And he can't be playing next to Pareko. You can't have Pareko who's not going to be traded either. People are saying he should be traded. He's not going to be traded. Let's be honest. Um, he's entering a big contract and he can't have somebody like Scandella playing next to him because it's not good. Uh, right. So I think the, the solution there is to re-sign Letty and put him next to Pareko or, 
trade for somebody like Sanheim from Philadelphia, who I think mm-hmm. has one year left on his contract at 3.6 or something. Uh, Ivan Provorov, a younger defenseman, very, very good, solid potential. Or Jacob Chickren, who we've heard about a lot from Arizona, who has like three or four years left on his contract. I believe it's like 4.6 mil per year. So it's not an outrageous. It's not even that much more than Scandella. So no, um, that would make sense. Addressing that left-handed defenseman to put next to Pareko. Cause I think you could almost pencil in Krug with Falk and Perunovic with Bortuzzo at this point, I think. Um, so figuring out that guy next to Pareko is going to be a big thing. And the tough thing here for Marcos Candela is that he has a modified no trade clause. So just for people here listening, he can submit he and he will be submitting a seven team no trade list so he part of his contract he gets to determine seven teams that he does not want to go to so just because the blues could offload him potentially to a team with a lot of cap space like arizona does not mean that they will have the ability to if scandela blocks that which i believe this is pure speculation here Scandella would absolutely have Arizona on his list of do not dare trade me to Arizona. More than likely a team like Buffalo here as well. They're not going to trade him here to there. So the Blues may need to even get creative with even doing something like a three-team trade in order to be able to get what they want. And it would not shock me here if that's something that they would need to be able to do. So yeah, Marco Scandella, Ivan Barbashev here getting moved, both big possibilities. Um, let's see, Scandella, he's got next year and 23-24 at $3.275 million. It's a terrible contract. He's, he's maybe playing at a market value that is half of that. Half. He's playing a veteran minimum value at this point. He's not good. Uh, Just terrible. And that's kind of what worries me with Letty. I know Letty's a better player, a different player, but the Blues re-signed Scandella because of a post-trade deadline stretch. Um, Yeah. I know Letty was good, but he's also 31. I I mean, I'm fine with re-signing him as long as it doesn't get too ridiculous, but I'm okay with not re-signing him if they figure out how to address the left side because – you just can't have Scandella there um, with Pareko. It's not going to work. It's never going to work. Perunovic next to Pareko wouldn't work either. So I think him next to Bortuzzo is perfectly fine. You also can't so, forget, um, we almost forgot Nico Mikola and Callie Rosen here as well. I don't think Rosen's going to have a, a huge opportunity here next season. You know, he might be a, a seventh defenseman. So, you know, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, six guys here rather contending for a left-handed defenseman side. So, Yeah, I don't know about Mikola. That's going to be interesting. Like, he showed flashes of being good, but I don't think he's really the answer. No, of, no, of I'm not. Rico. No, and I'm not saying he's the answer here at this point because I, I think his limit would maybe be a top four. You know, he at this point is only – I mean, he's 26 years old. I don't see him getting a whole heck of a lot better, but he is definitely a better defensive option than half of these guys. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what he's going to do. Mikola is a restricted free agent going into this offseason, and so the likelihood that he's moved out or just his rights are shipped out, I don't think is going to be obvious, I guess you could say. 
you know, I, I don't think Mikola's um, chances here of being moved out are, are good. And so the Blues could go into next season here with him as well. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, all right, let's do the uh, Twitter questions that we got from people here. Um, first one is at Hig1289. So that's H I G G1289. Uh, multiple questions asked. So we're going to give rapid fire answers, I suppose. Number one, do you think Tarasenko is getting traded? No. No, not at all. He completely revitalized his uh, his scoring ability. He looked good here this season. He looked really good this um, this postseason. I, I I don't think so. Between the chemistry between him and Butchnevich, I mean, you've got a huge one two punch. And then of course here with um, Robert Thomas here as well. I I don't see him getting traded. He gets traded if he wants to get traded. I think is probably what happens. If he really 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 still wants to go, then the Blues might consider it. Uh, but I don't see it. Uh, what do they do about Huso and how does Hofer play into that? Huso, um, like I mentioned here earlier, I don't think the Blues have the cap space. Um, it would need to be a situation where Huso says, I absolutely want to remain in St. Louis for something like that to get done. You know, Hofer, he's looked really good this postseason during the regular season here in the AHL. You know, he's had a mixed bag here at this point. He's still really young. I don't think that he needs to get moved out um, here or moved up here just as of yet. Um, he is only 21 years old. Give him some more time here in the HL. I think he may have another full season, maybe even two, before he is looked at to be brought up. Um, he would need to be able to be eligible to be brought up. Um, I'm sorry, he needs to be a little more convincing to be brought up here in my opinion you know of course he's eligibly brought up he just needs to be a dominant here in the ahl for me to say he absolutely needs to get brought up so uh i agree who's so gone i wouldn't be surprised if if he gets more money elsewhere which is probably going to be the case um i'm not sure how hofer would play into that i agree with what you said but i also think that hofer's like third option next year just because he needs one more big year in the ahl probably i would say he's still young yeah. so that's going to be yeah. a big thing here uh the last question here who is your favorite canadian fantasy or nhl player oh it's gotta be steven stamkos here for me 481 goals 972 points in 922 games he's a two-time rocket shard winner two-time potentially potentially three cup three cup winner here for us. So, I mean, Steven Stamkos, I mean, even with that huge leg injury that he had several years ago, boy, he, he has just been a man on fire. So current fantasy and NHL player here for me has got to be Stamkos. I'm just going to go with the easy answer. That's Connor McDavid. I mean, you know, uh, so you're, you're going, you're copping out here with this one. Well, I didn't really think about this that much, to be honest. Um, that's not a shot at our fans, but I just i I thought I would ha I would be able to come up with a good answer on the spot, and I guess I didn't. But I uh, almost went Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, Halifax, Nova Scotia, him or Sidney Crosby, both being from there. That's you know, you yeah. pick a duo, I'd probably pick them. But um, mm -hmm. another one, obviously, if you want to look at our guys, Ryan O'Reilly, yeah, would be a good pick. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, let's let's flip this around real quick. Who's your favorite American player? 
Um, of all time or current? Right now. Right now, currently. I have to go with uh, with Matthew, Matthew Kachuk. I love the way that he plays. I love his style, his energy. I mean, he is gritty, but boy, I mean, there's just there's something about him, Matthew Kachuk. So, I'm gonna go Austin Matthews. Um, Fair, probably the best right now. Probably between him and Patrick Kane for who the best is, if we're being honest. Um, off ice (laughs) aside different different story right uh i think i think at the end of the day the the top two american players of all time is going to be matthews and kane i think probably um in different ways i think matthews the best goal scorer kane the best playmaker obviously it's too bad that patrick kane had to play for the chicago blackhawks what can you do uh so yeah there we go with that uh next one is from a very weird username um (laughs) At Duke Stang 314, <laughs> questionable name, certainly. Uh, what is worse, Country Roads or the Keenan era? And I think this is so disrespectful to Country Roads. Like, I I, I don't really see the point of Country Roads like you yeah. do as well. Uh, yep. But I think, you know, it's all in good fun. It's a good time for everybody. And uh, the Keenan era was just a complete embarrassment. They probably would have won at least one cup if Keenan wasn't involved in that, I would think with the way that, you know, the whole Gretzky thing went down. So that was annoying. And I think Keenan is the obvious answer. And I think it's disrespectful to country Rose to even bring it up in the same sentence with that guy. Yeah. Now he did also follow up with the power play dance. Yeah. So I, as, I don't love the power round. play dance, but. Yeah. So I, I think it's unanimous country. Uh, Mike Keenan era here. Absolutely. I, I think for a lot of fans, especially if you know the history here, you know, he had that feud with Brett Hall as well as Wayne Gretzky. I mean, they were saying that Blues potentially could have had the chance to keep Wayne Gretzky for a little longer. Like if it wasn't for if it wasn't for Keenan here at that point, you know, he kept signing expensive free agents. There's constant just empty seats. I mean, like it, there was no, absolutely not. I mean, he he ruined a great, great opportunity here for a Stanley Cup. So, yeah, I, I absolutely think Mike Keenan. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right. Um, that'll do it for us for episode number seven. We'll be back some point soon in the next week or two. Uh, episode eight. Got something cooking for that. We'll figure that out at some point. Uh, so thank you for listening to the podcast, the Blue Note podcast brought to you by the Believe Network. You can follow our Twitter at TBN Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Ethan Carter SW. You can follow Mike on Twitter at, at Danger Powers 19. And we'll see you next time for episode eight. Blue season is over, but lots to do this offseason as uh, they try to just keep the cup window open. I think that's the most important thing. So everybody enjoy uh, their Memorial Day, the holiday, the whole, the whole thing. And we'll see you next time for episode eight of the Blue Note podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.